Hey, welcome to our new um, our new recording setup. You're actually the guinea pig for this. Oh, great! <laughs> yeah, we're trying out um, we're trying out ZenCaster, um, just because it seems to um, handle audio a little better. And uh, you know, we need uh, audio solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lets us have a guest on and let us do multi-track recording without a lot of the nonsense that other VoIP stuff does also it has a built-in soundboard (laughs) (laughs) i'm already annoyed monica with my soundboard but look i have the most i'm of the most um important sound of all oh nice yeah Okay. Hey, yeah. welcome to Bonus Experience. Hey, welcome to Bonus Experience. We are a <laughs> podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. We are, we are queer women speaking with authority about games. Also, and we swear. We swear. Sorry, I, I really like saying that part. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you I'll, can do the I'll, next part, though. All right, sure. Die mad about it. Yeah, that's teamwork right yeah. there. Yeah. Ken, <laughs> our guest for tonight. Ken of Why Not Games, it is totally cool to use bad words. That is all right. Um, my uh, <laughs> uh, my co-owner in the company, Crystal Spencer, my wife, uh, we have a son who's 10 years old, Michael. And Uh-oh. Michael has learned that he has to ask to use adult words. That's good. <laughs> I like that. I have, I, have the same, uh, I have the same system with my, uh, oh my gosh, they're going to be 12 and 14 this year. I, I have the same system with them, and every now and then I can see them like about to drop one, and they look at me real quick, like, "Is is it okay if I is it okay if I say what I'm about to say?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's okay. So, so Ken, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what you got going on? Well, my name is Ken Spencer. I'm the owner and creative director of Why Not Games. We make the Rocket Age RPG, as well as the Weird Races series of source books for D&D 5e compatible games. I am the author. My wife does layout graphic design and handles the finances. And Mm -hmm. together we make games and fight evil. All right. Oh, that's like the dream. That's the dream uh, American relationship right there. That's that's life goals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> making games and fighting crime exactly that's the, exactly. That's the american dream and okay fighting crime uh, we, that's my american i mean now. yeah people have mm-hmm. dreams that are different we employ a wide range of freelancers uh from around the world uh we have freelancers here in the united states some as close as 20 minutes up the road to the next town and we have freelancers as far away as australia and portugal Oh, that's cool. They bro- do, you, do you guys that's have really to, cool. um, do, do you try to collaborate in real time? Can it get a little tricky working out the, the time zones and when people are sleeping? Well, the, the, <clears throat> the freelancers we employ are our artists. And most of the artists, we send them the book, the raw text of the, the book, and a list of what art that we want to see in the book. They pick out the pieces they want to do. And it's largely collaboration through email. 
Uh, the closest oh, right. we get to real-time collaboration is there is one artist who lives here in Vincennes with us and whose son plays soccer with our son. So <laughs> we can get together during soccer practice and talk about things. And, That's awesome. And another one of our artists uh, is a longtime part of our gaming group. And we'll have business discussions right before we get going or <laughs> after a game or in the middle of a game, I'll be sitting there and be like, all right, everyone roll for initiative. Oh, wait, Brian, can you have that art in on Friday? Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> oh, Brian, by the way, here are the red lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Between the last time you talked to us and now, um, Ray actually worked for me on a project that I was developing for the Onyx Path, who we both work for. Oh, okay. Uh, so in between a whole bunch of like bonus experience related business text, it was also like, hey, where's your draft? <laughs> yeah. Was, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you got, you got those edits done yet? Yeah, okay. So uh, Ken, tell us all about Rocket Age. Oh, and, right. Uh, especially tell us about Imperial Jupiter. Well, uh, Rocket Age is a pulp, retro pulp sci-fi RPG set in a 1938 that never was in a solar system that should have been. It is rocket ships, ray guns, uh, silver lame, space suits, bubble helmets. It's hunting mutants on the blasted moon of Io. It's battling against the Martians on the red planet. It's exploring the jungles of Venus. Man, that sounds really cool. Sounds <laughs> I cool. love, I love that aesthetic. And you, you call it, um, you call it radium punk here too. I remember yes. asking you about that previously. Yes, Do you want to explain radium punk? Radium punk is our take on the genre. So with Rocket Age, I took the uh, pulp sci-fi serials that I grew up with because uh, they were. I grew up in Navy towns, and the local TV stations went cheap. And they broadcast these shows from, you know, these old serial movies from the 30s and 40s. And they'd put them together into 30-minute blocks and throw them up in the afternoons after school. So I was watching Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good stuff. <laughs> uh, at the same time, I'm reading some of the older Heinlein's Juvenile sci-fi. And then uh, graduating, of course, up in the more older, more mature sci-fi as I went. Uh, and it's taking this genre that I feel has this great positive energy to it, this great, the future could be good, the future could be great, we can do good things, and trying to hold on to that while stripping out uh, the bad parts of those decades, the racism, the misogyny. Uh, the gender bias, the colonialism that's inherent in, in a lot of the plots, and take that out and modernize, rehabilitate this genre of fiction that is kind of languishing because it doesn't suit modern sensibilities and tastes. That's a that's a very noble goal, trying to to rehabilitate a genre that could have been. I guess could have been, I guess could have been better. I guess could have been a little more sophisticated. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always a challenge to like really like a genre and then realize that it's really kind of fucked up when you think problematic. about it. Yeah, yeah. Problematic. And that like the, the roots of it run really deep into stuff. That's honestly troublesome. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I take the big speech about um, 
it's really a speech about inclusiveness that you so often see in these old sci-fi uh, media about you know America or you know they'll be calling it the galactic nation or whatever they're calling it but it's it's standing in for the United States and it's saying this is a place where if you're good enough you'll succeed it doesn't matter what your skin color is and doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman that we're all equal but it's always the big square jawed white guy who's saying it mm-hmm. and, yeah it's always mm-hmm. you know gristle mixed body exactly <laughs> exactly and if he's got someone with him it's the woman's a sidekick you know the yeah the african the african-american character is the sidekick if he's even there yeah and i said why don't yeah. we just take them at their word and say okay in the 1938 rocket age this is the way it happens this is what goes on people don't care like if you're taking it yeah taking it to its like natural conclusion, taking it literally, like you said, everyone is equal and, and you know, yeah, everyone so here can you go. work for this great and shining future. So we, we mean it. It's everyone. Exactly. I like that. So it's taking that idea and then marrying it a little bit to the, the hard issues of reality. Everyone is equal. Well, can Martians be United States citizens? Well, when we say everyone, <laughs> It's that sort of thing. There's bad things going on. It's not a everything's happy, let's all go smile and jump up in the air and have a laugh at the end of the episode. There's terrible things going on. And there's terrible things going on being perpetrated by people who you would expect to. The Soviets, the Nazis, they're going to do terrible things. But there's also- Oh, right. This has... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt oh, you. No, go ahead. I got, I got really excited thinking about punching space Nazis as soon as you said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a major part of the charm of Rocket Age. Punch and Space Nazis. It's a really, you know, why don't more games have Punch and Nazis as a core part of the gameplay? I feel like we talked about punching Nazis elsewhere or with somebody else. Did we talk about punching it, Nazis with Liam too? I think it was Liam Ginty. Yeah. I think okay. when he was, right. he also has a uh, a setting that addresses, you know, th- this is traditionally not so inclusive, but we, we want to, we want to handle that. We want to actually make this a place for everyone to play. And we also punch some Nazis in that game as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been very into like, Oh great. Well, that's, that's two more games than I knew existed. <laughs> We're punching Nazis is an important part of it. Well, it's, <laughs> Listen, I'm really, it's a key part. Go ahead, it's a key part of the, the uh, pulp genre is that you have Nazis. Yeah, that's true. You know, and yeah, it's true. If you have not, and they're there to punch. They're there to punch. Uh, They are a, they are a villain that it's okay to shoot at a lot. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. There's not a whole lot, especially especially if you're doing it before World War II starts. So you don't have the whole well. It's some poor conscripted guy who doesn't have a choice. Mm, You know, that's true. Yeah. These guys are doing it for passion, which means you got to punch them extra hard. Exactly. If it's 1937 and then someone's in the SS, they know what they're there for. <laughs> they know what they signed up for. Exactly. Um, so um, tell us about how you welded a traditional game with a narrative system into a workable whole for Rocket Age. Okay. Well, I used the Vortex system as the base, which was originally created by Dave Chapman for Cubicle 7's Doctor Who RPG. 
Uh, but it was the original version of it, the way it was made, was to do Doctor Who, which has a very different sort of take on things like mm-hmm. violence, guns, punching people. And I wanted more punching. So I modified the system so that we're keeping the idea that most of the time you're doing a traditional RPG. You're rolling the dice, you're trying to hit a target number, and you're adding some numbers to the result, that sort of thing. But at the same time, keeping the concept of story points. Story points let you, with Rocket Age, amp it up into pulpy awesomeness. It's where you don't just mechanically turn a bad roll into a good roll, but it's where you lay down some story points and you bend the plot. Uh, You say, well, I really shouldn't be able to jump off the cliff with a rope tied around my ankles, swing down, and crash through the window, and then shoot some Nazis. (laughs) But I'm going to spend a couple story points to say I can pull this off, or at least attempt it. That's awesome. So it's kind of a, a pulp currency? Very much so, very much so. And there should be an interplay between story points going back and forth from the GM to the players. Uh, and in character creation, story points are tied into your equipment. So a lot of the really cool equipment you want to have, your rocket packs, your ray guns, your disintegrator pistols, you have to permanently move story points from the pool that you can use for anything into I can only use the story point for my ray pistol. That makes sense, Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah, you lose some of your narrative flexibility, but at the same time, you gain a little traditional game power. Yeah, but at the same time, rocket pack. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's keeping that balance through, because with Rocket Age, we went far beyond what the original Vortex system was designed for. Uh, and went far beyond faster than the Doctor Who product line did. And we've done things with it that it was never meant to. Had to create an entire vehicle system, vehicle combat system, space flight system, that whole thing. So it kind of became a, well, I guess not a Frankenstein, because you. it sounds like you, you really made it your own thing for Rocket Age. Is, is that I mean, right? It sounds- yeah, we adapted the system to the setting and made whatever changes were needed to be made in the system to make it match the setting. So that the play... So I'm... Really curious about how your uh, your vehicle system and your your space travel system works. Vehicles work very much like people. They okay. have stats. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, it has a handling stat. Uh, right. Handling is a limiter. You can't use any. You can't use an effective skill. So, say your your transport skill, which you use to fly a rocket ship, is a uh, four, and your rocket ship has a handling of three. Well, your skill okay. counts as a three when you're flying that ship. Oh, okay. So quick, yeah, right. pretty straightforward. Now, when you take damage to a ship, it goes directly to the ship's attributes, just like it does to a character in Rocket Age. So as the ship gets hit, the handling will go down, or the sensors will go down and 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 score. So it becomes harder to fly the ship. It becomes harder to see out of the ship. It becomes harder to communicate with other ships. That sort of thing. So you're not busy trying to track, okay, this adds this modifier or this penalty to this role. It's all set right there in front of you. That sounds really like that. elegantly done. Thank you. It's <laughs> pretty straightforward stuff. We like Rocket Age to go fast. We like the, the gameplay to 
to be moving, to be flowing. We don't want to get bogged down in a whole lot of rules, interpretation, a whole lot of calculating things. So we want to be a fast play system with enough depth so that if you really are interested in some of the finer details, they're there, but they're not necessary to know. That sounds like it really fits the just the general feel of the of kind of a of a pulp genre as well. It does. Just like, no, we don't want the rules to get in the way. We want you to start, you know, shooting each other in space. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think pulp really has got to be about like that good two-fisted heroic action and like having an, a, a boatload of rules can get in the way of that good game feel. Yes, and that's, it's a hard balance to make. There aren't too many systems that can handle pulp very well. Uh, the Vortex system is one of them. Uh, of course, Savage Worlds can. It's designed for pulp. Uh, if mm. you... If you're careful with it, you can make D and D five E do it too. Really interesting. Yes. You, you hmm. have... I'd like to know your thoughts on that. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, you start by entirely rewriting the class class structure. Oh, whoopsie! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of brushed on it a little bit, but um, how do you manage? like the, the the nastier aspects of the traditional pulp genre how do you manage colonialism and racism and 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 you know gender issues within within your game mostly uh by taking the old sci-fi and speculative fiction process of moving that from human to human interaction and on to alien yeah okay uh, for on the one hand it makes it a little easier for some players to grasp. I've had people I've played with who are very upset about, quote, what the Americans are doing to the Martians. Yet okay. at the same time in real life, I'm trying to get them to understand, you know, this whole cultural colonialism thing is something that actually happened in real life and it's still going <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, okay. Yeah, racism is, is not over. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not just something I created for this game, you know? Exactly. And, but that makes it easier for some people to start grasping the concepts and start thinking okay. about them and going, hey, now, wait a second. If it's wrong to go to Mars and conquer them and take their stuff, then would it be wrong to go to another part of Earth and do the same? Huh. That <laughs> might be. Oh, the wheels are turning. Oh, they're close. They're close. They're, so they're close. close. Uh, <laughs> a large portion of that, um, especially with, with Rocket Age originally was released in 2013. Uh, Cubicle 7, I wrote it for Cubicle 7. And then when I left Cubicle 7 in 2016, I bought out the rights to Rocket Age and took it with me. So okay. under, yeah, under Cubicle 7, when I wrote it, um, gender issues were big, but especially... Marriage equality was the big thing, uh, mm -hmm. the big struggle yeah. at that time, um, and hopefully will not be again. Yeah, uh, hopefully. I hope that's been settled once and for all. Who, who knows? We're living in the darkest timeline right now, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of gender, uh, of marriage equality sort of issues in there. Uh, and I especially played with the way aliens with different biologies, different cultures approach sexuality. In our Heroes of the Solar System book, which is a player's guide to the Rocket Age, that's a player-facing book, uh, there's an entire essay on sex, sexuality, and aliens. Oh, okay, cool. That's cool. 
So how do you approach that? And it continuing in Imperial Jupiter, one of the main NPCs, uh, she is a robo-brain. She's a computer, basically. And she presents as female and is treated as female, but nobody knows that she's really just a computer. Okay. But we refer to her as female throughout the book and treat her as that with pronouns and descriptions and that sort of thing, because that's what she says she is. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. But there are people who don't quite have the message yet, and hopefully through playing a game, they can move things a little bit further. They can go, hey, now, wait a second. If a computer can be a woman because she says she's a woman, could a person, could a human being? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so they accept the method oh, value okay. if they oh, say that they so are. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Learning, uh, learning I, the game. Yeah, you know, I genuinely hope that someone picks up Rocket Age and Imperial Jupiter and, and this and and grows from it as a person. That'd be pretty neat. It that's part of neat. our job. Great. That's how I feel is part of my job. I mean, my your first job when you're in any, in any part of the entertainment industry, even our you know small shallow end of the pool, uh, and by shallow end I mean you know payment. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we're the deep end when it comes to depth and the things we can handle, the things we can do, but. We, we we don't make uh as far as value for our labor not so much no, no. I, <laughs> I like to say we don't make radio star money <laughs> Ooh, ra- like radio money <laughs> yeah that's oh boy that's <laughs> radio money my 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 dad worked in radio for like 30 years <laughs> mm. I've, I've seen how far radio star money gets you <laughs> but yeah our our first goal is to entertain i think our second goal should always be to enlighten you know i agree yeah 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 i I I, I feel like uh, that's that really sums it up i think that sums up our show too doesn't it (laughs) not like not like our like bxp's thing is (laughs) not i didn't mean like to end the episode i mean like the sort of our bxp thing is both to like enlighten and entertain Exactly. Um, I think we get at least halfway there. Yeah, we'll at least get halfway there on both parts. I don't know how enlightening we are, but we're pretty goddamn entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can if you can hook them with the show and then teach them afterwards or during it, then I think you've done a job. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the mid-episode break. So happy you could join us here. We, because Monica is definitely here with me, and I am not the only person recording this right now. I don't know why you would even suspect that. If you follow us on Twitter, you're probably a little sick of us talking about our Patreon so much. But you know what? We're really excited. We're super proud of you guys. We're proud of ourselves, but also we're proud of you guys because you blew our first four goals right out of the water in the first two weeks of us even having a Patreon. What that means for people who support us, for people who have pledged, they get access to our pre-production notes and outlines, which are going to start appearing as patron-only posts now. They also get access to not one, but two bonus bonus experience experience episodes, which drop on our 
patron-exclusive RSS feed. But also, that fourth goal, that that little fourth goal that we had in there, there's a like, oh, who knows, maybe, someday. That was the actual play goal. Because we met that, we are now contractually obligated to roll dice and record our voices while we do it. And it's gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We already have plans. We're struggling to get this, like, out the door first Tuesday of April. Hopefully it happens. It might be a second Tuesday in April situation because we didn't expect you guys to be so wonderful and generous. And frankly, we were caught a little flat-footed. But it's coming. It's happening. The actual play is here. I'm fucking psyched out of my mind. Our next goal, I mean, should you guys feel up to the challenge, we're hoping to get to $150 a month, which would mean that we could buy new equipment. And... I know that's not as glamorous and fun as an actual play, but it means that this podcast kind of stops being such a sonic nightmare. Margaret already has a hell of a time editing out my echo, Henry's flushes, and all the LaCroix pop-top popping. Just think of the possibilities that await her were we to have studio-quality headsets and microphones and pop screens, maybe even soundproofing material. She'd have so much more free time to hunt vampires. Which is, I think, a thing she's doing now. I can't remember where we're at with the Margaret lore. So, to sum up, the Patreon is doing awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for... I'm still having trouble with the verb. Thank you so much for patronizing us. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon. For those of you who are still on the fence, maybe you're not sure what this Patreon thing is all about, let me just sum it up for you. Instead of two episodes of bonus experience a month, people who pledge at least a dollar get four episodes of bonus experience a month. If you bump it up to $3, you also get that actual play. I'm just throwing it out there. No pressure. I know in this economy, who has the time, but you know what? Even a dollar gets you awesome stuff and puts us that much closer to, you know, microphones what work. In non-Patreon news, this is, uh, I guess our second season. That's what Margaret's telling me. She left a little note here. This is episode one of season two. We've got seasons now. This is also, I think, our last interview. Monica and I have been brainstorming with our mysterious program manager, and we are moving away from doing interviews, although still very much open to crossover shows and having guests on the show to uh, talk about their craft, talk about their hacks, talk about their techniques. Looking forward in season two, I see that we've grouped our episodes into series such as the How Do You Do This Thing series. Seems kind of vague. We're going to have to work this one out. Monica, since you're definitely here with me, what do you think? Should we... Yes, she's nodding. Yes, there will be more details about this at a later date. (laughs) Also, hey, Monica, what's that piece of paper you have there in your hand? Are you going to be talking about someone that actually advertised with our show and with the Misdirected Mark Network? We're here to tell you about a new game, funding now on Kickstarter. It is. Cut to the Chase, which is a short-form tabletop RPG for two players. Uh, The players collaborate as hunter and prey to tell a thrilling story of a chase. The Kickstarter starts on March 12th, which you may note on your calendar has already started, so go out and find it, and goes until April 5th, so you have plenty of time to get some funds together and support this incredible project. There are 15 RPG creators writing diverse scenarios for the games, Um, and I've taken a look at that list, and boy, is that a hell of a star-studded list. That is awesome. You should definitely go check it out. Um, support this game it's got a really cool unique idea you know search kickstarter for cut to the chase um we're gonna have a link to that in the show notes 
Uh, check it out, fund it, support it, help support this artist. And if you would like the Misdirected Mark Network to also shout out your game, you can shoot an email to chris at misdirectedmark.com. Make sure that you put advertising on MMP in the subject line um, and take a look at the misdirectedmark.com website and find our advertising rates. If that appeals to you, you can have your show shouted out as well. Haha, <laughs> that's great, Monica. I say to you, in the same room as me. <laughs> hey, wait, is that a second piece of paper that you're rattling at me? Do you have, do you have something more to share, Monica? Hey, we also want to tell you about 1D4Con held at the Clarion Inn and Conference Center of Shepherdstown, West Virginia on May 3 through 5th, 2019. The room block is still open, so call and request rooms under 1D4Con and that's open until April 2nd. Uh, the game registration is also still open, and swag bags are provided to GMs. Come enjoy three days of awesome gaming with the local community. Um, also, yours truly will be there as a staff member, so if you're in that area and you want to say hi to me and play some great games, um, I'll be running some demos, so check it out. Hope to see you there. Wow, that's great, Monica. <laughs> I sure I'm having a great time with you here, Monica. You know where else we're... <laughs> You know where else we can have a good time? <laughs> it's the stupidest. You know where else we can have a good time, Monica? Why don't we check out the lounge? Also on the misdirected Mark Network. I hear at the lounge, Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation's going to come up in the lounge, Monica. Except this, at this point, I think we do because we're actually going to be on an episode in the lounge coming up. All that pie-in-the-sky talk of us having our break in the mid-episode break room actually in the lounge paid off, and we did, in fact, take over the other podcast. It's great. You'll love it. For God's sake, am I done with this yet? Oh, wait. I. Yes, that's the, that's the music. All right, good. I'm out of here. So it's making that balance work and a lot of my my work with why not games uh rocket age of course um weird races uh the catterday from our catterday book yeah they're anthropomorphic cats and they're cute as all hell and the art is amazing and cute and wonderful and furry and they're refugees oh wow. really so there's like there's some messages even in the even the in that supplement. Exactly. yeah uh surreal you know, that's like you know oh. finding art in the real world right <laughs> i i think that's where it comes from yeah the the surreal they're bear folk and they're big and they're you know they're big walking anthropomorphic bears with axes and bows and they're totally badass and they've got an intricate culture and because when we started off uh our our first art director uh sam Parrish, uh, she said, when we do these animals, are they going to have breasts? And I said, uh -oh. I don't think they should. And yes! she said, good. <laughs> well, you know, and she said, good. I don't think they should either. And I said, well, then we're kind of in agreement here. Let's not do that. So with the story of the bear folk of the North, they're expressly written as there's really no difference to them between the genders other than reproduction. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Male and female cereal look very much alike unless, you know, someone's pregnant and that's going to make things look a little different. But after the pregnancy, that goes away. I, I love when when 
creators and, and developers when they have an anthropomorphic animal race when they face the facts <laughs> like okay it's either going to be no breasts at all or six of them <laughs> like we're not, we're not doing some silly like horny pinups we're not doing that <laughs> these are bear folk <laughs> and that exactly that's been our stance from the beginning uh, well, that's and, very noble of you thank you well and it it ties in well i'll give you an example one of the jokes one of our play testers made uh she was playing a dragonborn and part of the adventure had a little bit of trading merchant thing going with the airships they had flying around and she was handling that part and bought a load of 40 tons of these rare melons that are only grown on this one island so they can take it to the next stop and sell it during their adventures. <laughs> and the player says, hey, I'm going to, and she's playing a dragonborn, right? Fifth Ed. Yeah, yeah. She goes, she goes, so my character hops on deck and says, hey, we got this load of melons. I'm going to take two of them, shove them in my shirt and say, look, I'm a fourth Ed dragonborn. <laughs> <laughs> look at me. I'm a lizard with memory glands. Woo. <laughs> and... Yeah, that was one of the things that annoyed me in, in fourth ed. I mean, I looked at it and went, why? Why? There's oh, yeah. if your female dragonborn isn't like 30% bigger than all the male dragonborns, then you're mm -hmm. not doing it right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was always... Uh, there were a lot of things about Fourie that I liked. Dragonborn titty. <laughs> 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 exactly it it drives me crazy uh one of the things in rocket age is that these are different species so they're not compatible so you don't have half venusians running around okay because uh, they're different species yeah right uh they're okay. from different planets their genetics don't quite always match up we have different cultures even within the species that view things in different ways and then there are a few for example the ganymedians uh, they're a plant-based organism, plant and fungus. Mm -hmm. uh, they reproduce by when the season is right and the environmental cues trigger within them that they that it's time to reproduce. They gather in large groups, which they normally don't gather in large groups, but they gather in large groups to reproduce at specific places, and they release uh, pollen and spores into the air. Because that's what plants do. That's yes, yeah, plants do. That's very cool. Yeah. And. Playing a Ganymedian is playing a character who does not understand not just sex, but romance. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that would be really interesting. They yeah. yeah. They have people who they love because they're close friends and they've grown up together and they've known each other for years or whatever the reason that they love each other, but they don't understand the whole romantic side of it. That's really cool. I like that a lot. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got the Europans. Uh, which have uh, five genders and five different sexes, and not male and female binary is just one of the ways that they can get together and reproduce. So there's like a whole like web of potential, I guess. Uh, some of them are actually reproduced asexually. Cool. Yes, I like. And it. some of them, some of them require more than two people. Uh, yes, that's so one, cool. One gender, even the other Europeans don't know what they do because they're very secretive. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> My gender identity is mystery. 
Well, and until we didn't define exactly how this worked until Imperial Jupiter. So for years in Rocket Age, what people would do is they'd list under gender for the Europan a number, one through five. That Oh, that's good. And, <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, and, and at the same time with the Europans, because they're a species that's very different and somewhat isolated from the rest of the species of the solar system. Uh, they have a more advanced technology. They have a very different culture, uh, a very different way of looking at life. I designed them very much on the blue and orange uh, morality trope. Right. So they are saying and doing things that don't make sense to others because it's just alien. It's just not what anyone is used to. They send, they mind wipe part of their population, uh, remove all their memories so they can't give away the secrets of Europa train them and then send them out to be emissaries to basically be anthropologists amongst other species to live as a martian or an earthling or a venusian and learn about these other cultures that way well other cultures sometimes have very gendered roles in society so if you're a european emissary you adopt the gender of the role that you're studying and that's your your gender now whatever your gender was before doesn't matter if you come in and you say, well, this is a traditionally male-dominated or female-dominated role in society, I'm taking that role. I'm now male or female. I love that. <laughs> I'm like yeah. looking around my room like, this is great. <laughs> Just <off. laughs> like, like gender fluidity is like part of the job description. It's, like you have to be willing exactly. to take that on. Oh, exactly. Like that. And if... If your assignment changes and you have a different gender role, then you switch your gender. That's cool. Like gender is a uniform. Cool. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's exemplified in, um, we have a short, story, short fiction anthology, uh, Tales from the Rocket Age, and the European character in one of them, Frank, he explains that he biologically isn't male. But his role requires him to be male, so thus he is. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm just I'm just sitting yeah. here like twiddling my thumbs, like, oh that's cool. That's yeah. I would probably I would is it possible to play a a European? Uh, oh yeah, new? European emissaries. I would probably oh, yeah. to play a European. That sounds like too much fun. <laughs> uh the one of the signature characters in Rot signature NP uh pre gen characters we use at conventions and I think we have that back up as a free PDF. If not, I'll talk to Crystal and she'll add that to the list and then give me a dirty look. <laughs> but um, one of the signature uh, pregens is Dr. Joy Goodfeeling, who is a European emissary. With just the best name. With yes. the best name. So Dr. <laughs> Joy Goodfeeling is a European emissary who is studying earthly medicine and healthcare. Well, Dr. Joy Goodfeeling, and this is 1938, so being a doctor is still a male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. And so, but doesn't get that Joy is a traditionally female name. Just thinks that should make the patients feel better. <laughs> and Goodfeeling, well, sometimes Earthlings have names based on things that they are going to do or things that they, their job, and that's what a doctor's job is. So it's Dr. Joy Goodfield. Well, nailed it, honestly. Like, hit it right out of the park. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. 
and Dr. Joy Goodfeeling is presents as male because it's a male dom it's a male dominated role in society. So Dr. Joy Goodfeeling is Dr. male. Dr. Joy Goodfeeling. <laughs> I love it. I love it a lot. Well, we're we're coming up on our on our time limit here, so let's um, oh no let's get uh, <laughs> let's get all the let's get all the plugs out of the way. Um, tell us tell yeah. us about where people can get a hold of Rocket Age and Imperial Jupiter and. Just where can they find your okay. cool stuff? Uh, yeah, well, you can stuff. find Rocket. You can find Rocket Age, Imperial Jupiter, Weird Races. All are available from Drive Through RPG. You can also buy them direct from us at uh, WhyNotGames.com, and you can get them through your local game store. Excellent. We are in full distribution. Studio Two handles repping us and distributing us across the country. Oh, that's cool. Now I have to go find. That is see excellent. If I can find these books in my bookstore <laughs> just to be like look <laughs> there <Yeah>. they are <laughs> and you can find them at the game store exactly and, and if you buy we will put a link up to uh why not games uh page on drive through rpg and we will hook it up with our affiliate link so oh, uh, you can buy you. ken spencer's products and also support us at the same time yeah. and if you buy direct from whynotgames.com uh we will send you the pdf for free oh i don't know if we can very nice that that's that's a good deal. <laughs> if you'd buy from Drive Through RPG, we're putting our entire catalog up as print on demand. Oh, uh, and we have that set up so that the print on demand price uh, includes is is the same deal. So the print on demand price, you get the PDF without paying any extra. Damn, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, we, we don't want to charge you twice for the same book unless you want to give one as a gift. <laughs> they make great <laughs> gifts. They make great <laughs> gifts. Uh, and, and and now let's do our part of the of the thing <laughs> that we do okay. so good. <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear more of us, you can check out our website at bxpcast.com. Now with swag bxpcast.com yes, bxp swag we're selling t-shirts we're selling graph paper notebooks we're selling mugs we're selling uh what else are we selling we got tote bags, tote bags. we got drawstring bags <laughs> we got zipper pouches we got <laughs> cell phone cases everything our logo could fit on <laughs> everything our lo- everything i checked the box on on Redbubble that I thought our logo didn't look stupid on is available for purchase. Honestly, I'm so excited about those graph paper notebooks. Like I go through so many graph paper notebooks. <laughs> yeah. And everything. we got to see uh misdirected Mark's social media manager, uh, Rob Abrazado wearing our shirt. Yeah. It was a great uh, he bought photo. it in purple and it looks phenomenal. Yeah. Should get him to like, maybe we can send him more of the merch and have him take it like smiling with our mug. <laughs> okay. Rob, please buy more of our merch and model with it. Uh, where can they find us on Twitter? At bonus exp cast. And if you want to shoot us an email like Ken did to ask us questions or just give us some feedback, let us know you're listening, say hi, ask to be on the show, uh, you can shoot us an email at bonus exp cast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to find us individually, I'm on Twitter, uh, Ray underscore Cole. And I'm also on Twitter at Zenith Sun. And I think that's everything. I think that's everything. And I did that without hey, looking. Hey, we're getting. It's almost hey. like we've been doing it for a year. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody, get out. 
That means you too, and Ken. All right. Change it if you want to. Yep, change it if you want All to. Right. Thank you for having me on. Thank yeah, you. For thank you very coming much. Back. Good <laughs> and good night. I think yeah. I think we're leaving. Thanks for listening. Bonus Experience is written and produced by Monica and Ray. Our cover art and logo are by Nino Studios, and our opening theme is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK, which is used under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons license. This podcast guarantees plus one enhancement to running games, which applies before you roll. See you next time.